In today's show, we look at the waiver wire for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball at TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball as well. Out of order. I'm Rusty. It's been a few days without a show but now I am back. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. And we are free and available on all platforms. It is good to be back after a few days off. Nice recharge. And now we f- you know, we just fly into the remaining 28% of the season that is left. Um, that's going to include fantasy playoffs for a lot of you starting next week. Some of you started already. Um, Roto end of season. So much stuff happening here. We're going to be here all the way through doing all the same shows, talking about all the same, well, not all the same stuff because things change. And we're going to be talking today about the waiver wire, the most added players, the most dropped players. Should they have been added? Should they have been dropped? What we do with certain buyout guys? Because I know that's the big topic from a lot of you. Michael Bolton, no, 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 no. This is how I'm rusty. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to do that part. All right. The most added players. This is going to cover a lot of your questions. Kevin Love is the most added player over the last 48 hours. Because people will go, oh, I know Kevin Love. He used to be a top 10 player. He was an NBA champion, starting caliber, really good fantasy player, top 50, top 40, top 30 guy at plenty of times. Um, and he's a power forward, and the Heat now have an opening at power forward. And all of that is true. Do the Heat do have an opening at power forward? Do they have an opening at power forward? Do they have a non-recognizable player at power forward? That's more accurate. In Caleb Martin. But... There's a reason that Kevin Love didn't play for Cleveland. There's a reason that nobody would trade for him. There's a reason they just said, thanks, Kev. We'll see you later. And that's because I think he might be cooked. Like this, he broke his thumb. And I think that's a part of it as well. But he could not shoot at all. So for a guy, he's shooting 37% from three on the, uh, sorry, not from the season. He he was shooting really, really okay, like solidly, before he broke his thumb. But then he just hasn't been able to hit a shot since then. And we know there are a lot of defensive deficiencies with Love. Like I heard some people, like we, we do this all the time. Well, not we. A lot of people do this. And it's a habit that's hard to get out of. Well, Kevin Love will go to Miami. He can start. He'll play 27 minutes. Could we just be like nice 12 and 10, two to three triples? That's enough, yeah? Yeah, but that's so impossible, I think, for him to do. This guy averages nine, uh, yeah, nine, bit under nine, bit under seven for the season. He's shooting uh, 39% from the field, which includes th- uh, 47% from three, and oh, so 47% from two and 35% from three. Like, I think he can be okay. I don't think that he's going to come in having not played, not knowing the system, not being able to defend, and start and play 27 minutes a night. I would need Kevin Love to play 25 minutes a night before I think that he's a reliable 12-team league guy. Because remember, he is a points, threes, rebounds player. That's really what he is. He's not getting to the line anymore and helping you in that category. He's going to be bad at field goals, bad at steals, bad at blocks. Maybe he gets some assists. I'm not foreclosing on Kevin Love having 12-team value at some point. But the man is 34 or yeah, 34 years old. He looked pretty bad in Cleveland. The reason nobody wanted him is because he looked pretty bad. 
Um, and Caleb Martin has been okay. Yes, Hayward Highsmith's been getting 27 minutes tonight. There are minutes for Kevin Love. And out of a lot of these ones that people are going to ask about, I don't hate adding him. I think there is some appeal. In basically all of my 12-team leagues, I think, I'm just looking now, he hasn't been picked up in any of them. Which, it is a little bit surprising, but he hasn't been picked up in any of those leagues. I thought he would have been, but that hasn't been the case. So, can you add Kevin Love? Sure. Is there a very, very small chance of it even providing any sort of 12-team value? Yeah. Is he going to be a top 100 guy? I think that's pretty crazy to expect. And when I'm taking flyers on guys, I want to look at the total upside and how big it is, and I don't think it's big here. Shaden Sharp is one of the most added players as well because of the injury to Anthony Simons, who's going to be out for a long time. Sharp has struggled at times this season to do anything apart from score. And in his minutes that he's played alongside Lillard and Grant, which we talked about last week, his usage was really, really low, like 15% with Simons on the bench. So I have no problem with adding him. I probably would add him over Reddish, but there's no guarantee that he even starts. They might start Reddish and Thibault and keep Sharp on the bench. I think they'd be ridiculously stupid to do that because you drafted the bloke at pick seven to theoretically be a starter at some point really soon. And now your opportunity's there. So I would be doing that if I was them, but... His inability to contribute across many categories and inefficiency could become an issue for him as well means I'm a little bit skeptical of what he's able to produce. But I don't mind adding him. I would add Sharp over Love, for example. I did, actually. I added Sharp in one league last week. Come on, Looney. I, I, I look at Looney's numbers and there's nothing all that exciting about him. But ranking-wise, he always seems to appear in like a decent position. Looney is like the 51st ranked player over the last week, 142nd for the season, 118th over the last two weeks. It's coming on the back of two things, though. He gets a lot of rebounds and high field goal percentage. Now, that might work for you, but I always want you to understand or be um, cognizant of the fact that you're not adding for rankings. You're not adding for value in a vacuum, especially in the fantasy playoffs. You're adding for particular skills. You're adding for volume. You're adding for schedule. You're not adding for ranking. So while he might be the 70th ranked player or 80th ranked player or 110th ranked player, Kevon Looney, he helps you in two categories. He's not going to score. He's not going to hit threes. He's not going to get many assists. Though he's not a terrible assist guy for a center. He's not going to be a blocks guy. He's going to be bad at free throws. He's got it. He's going to help you in certain areas. So is he in the mix? Sure. Is he must, rest, uh, must roster? No. I was getting ahead of myself because we're talking about this guy next. Price of the brick going up. Um, all right, look, Russell Westbrook probably wasn't dropped in your league, but apparently he was because he's one of the most added players. So people dropped him. Now in a points league, there's no, no concern at all. You hold Russell Westbrook. He's going to play probably too many minutes is my guess. But a lot of people look at this and go, well, look, the team's set up perfectly for him now. There's so many shooters around him. It was just a bad situation for him uh, with the Lakers. And now we can let Russ do what he wants. He's got familiarity with Paul George, all this sort of stuff, which is just a lot of copium. It's just like, man, I, I love Russ and hopefully he can be good again. We, I've heard, You hear a lot of things about Russ and I've been hearing this for years. Man, he gets to the rim. He's such a good finisher. No, he's not. He's actually a terrible finisher, and he has been for quite a long time. And he's like 11, 11th percentile finishing at the rim, 50% at the rim, which is horrendous. Can't shoot threes. Can't shoot mids. Can't shoot at the rim. Can't shoot free throws. Honestly, can't shoot. 
One of the worst decision makers, you will see as well, doesn't try on defense. Now, can he still put up points, rebounds, and assists if he plays enough minutes? Absolutely. No one is doubting that. And he, he, he would if they played him 30 minutes. But my problem is, is do they need him to play 30 minutes? And the answer to that is no, they don't. Like, why would you want the ball? Again, the, the problem is in certain lineups, when they go without... Look, playing him with Zubats and playing him with Mason Plumley is a terrible decision. So that's going to be a problem. Where does he fit into a lineup? Like, if they went with Covington at center, Batum at center, Morris at center, and shooting all around, it could work really well. But how much are they going to do that? How much time are they going to expend using lineups where Westbrook's the only non-shooter? meaning no Zubats or Plumley, That's where he's going to throw. Otherwise, he's going to get in the way. And as Ty Lu said, like when we're playing late game, fourth quarter stuff, it's Paul George and Kawhi. That's it. They've got the ball. So what's Westbrook doing? He's not he's providing no value on defense. He's not value as a spacer or a shooter. He shouldn't be out there. You can argue, and you're right probably, that Russell Westbrook still probably is a better player one-on-one than Terrence Mann. But basketball's not one-on-one. Terrence Mann fits what this team does. Norman Powell fits what this team does. Eric Gordon fits what this team does. Westbrook doesn't. So if he is on your wire and you're in a points league, go go for it. I think they're going to play him too many minutes. I think they're going to realize, but I think they're going to play him too many minutes initially. In a category league, why? What what are you what are we doing? He played what 29 minutes a night for the Lakers? I don't think he's playing that much. And you'll say, they don't have a true point guard. Who cares? They don't need a true point guard. They, they don't need one. And what he takes off the table makes their team worse than, when he's on, than, than what he brings, I think. So I think in a category league, yeah, my thoughts on him all season have been, I'm, I'm not going to draft him. I think he's actually got a downside of zero minutes. Now, he did actually play, but his value reduced quite a bit. But I am just not rushing to go and add Russell Westbrook in category leagues. I just don't think I don't think there's value there. I don't think it's a particularly good situation. This is a good team, a significantly better team than the one he was on. They do not need to play him at all. And I think there'll be times where they don't. If if they want to make like Tyloo often makes poor decisions and then corrects them. Whereas other coaches, Dwayne Casey, makes poor decisions and sticks with them for ages. But Lou does make those corrections. So it's going to be really interesting to see exactly where that goes. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Yes, I'm going to say Nissan. I'm not going to say Nissan because I'm going to be authentic to myself. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The player of the week, there's been no games on, but you know who it is? It's Mac McClung. Half of you guys, half of the world, never knew this bloke's name. And he comes out and now is a household name for throwing down Four unbelievable dunks all on the first try. That makes him the most electric player of the week. You can't tell me that, like, you see him jump over two guys. You go, man, that's amazing. And you see the hidden detail of him tapping it against the backboard. That is electric, exactly like the Nissan Aria. Brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, elegantly fierce, fiercely elegantly brilliant. I don't know. All of those things apply to Mac McClung and the Nissan Aria. Delivers on duality, combination of fierceness and elegance. Beautiful and strong, the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin-to-your-seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, so let's go back now and talk about... Oops, that's the wrong screen. That's not what we want to do. That's the what we want to do. All right, 
Let's talk about Miles Bridges because the report came out today that he's going to be, he said that he's maybe going to be back in March. So inevitably the questions came in. Do I add Miles Bridges? And the answer is no, you don't. A, he's not signed. March is still, what, a week away? And then when he returns, he's going to be suspended almost definitely for the rest of the season. Do not waste your time adding him. The same thing I said back at Christmas when they said, hmm, do we add Miles Bridges? The same thing I said at the start of the season. No, you don't add Miles Bridges. You can have whatever moral thought you want on it. It doesn't matter. He's not going to play this season, would be my guess. And I don't see any way that he does. With like 22 games left for the Hornets this season, there's no way he's getting less than 22 games. And he's still not even signed. So don't worry about it. Not talking about that anymore. That's done. Josh Okogi, um, another most added player. He's been awesome. I really don't think that anyone here should expect that he's going to shoot 50% from three. He's going to see a drop-off pretty significantly. He's going to see a drop-off when campaign returns, when Shamit returns, Kevin Durant returns. And he's probably not going to be a 12-team league player. If he added him during this time frame, no worries. Right, He'd been playing really well. It was a crazy shooting stretch, and he put up great numbers. It's just not going to continue like that. So he's been added, but I don't really care that much. Kyle Anderson, yes, he needs to be added in all formats. His value might hit when Carl uh, Anthony Towns returns. Maybe. Uh, but who knows when Towns is back, if Towns is back, how much Towns plays. And Anderson still might maintain 27 minutes a night in that scenario. So he's an absolute must-roster player. Yes, the back injuries have been annoying, but he's a must-roster player. And the last one's Pat Beverly, who's been one of the most added players. I know he signed with Chicago. Someone go, yeah, man, he could start for Chicago. You, you know what? He actually started for the Lakers, and he wasn't very good. And now he goes to Chicago, where he's basically the same player as Ayo Desumu, and basically the same player as Alex Caruso. A low-usage, defense-first guard, and someone's going to take a hit there. Is it White? Is it Desumu? Is it Dragic? Probably. Is it um, Caruso? Like, who's, is it Beverly? Patrick Bedley would need 29 minutes a night on a team where he can get a few more shots, and I don't think that's the case here. I would not waste my time with Beverly in 12-team leagues, in 14-team leagues, maybe in 16, but I wouldn't waste it. The situation could actually be worse for him in Chicago than it was in LA. All right, let's look at most dropped players. You already got a sneak peek of this before. Lonzo Ball, we talked about this ages ago. He's not going to play this season. Most obvious thing you've ever seen. Hopefully, this is the final push. Well, it has to be. If you're still holding him after this, Dynasty League's accepted, then I don't know what you're doing. He should have been dropped weeks ago. He shouldn't have been drafted to begin with. You can go drop him. He's done for the season. Two more bulls at the top of the most dropped players, Patrick Williams and Alex Caruso. Patrick Williams, totally okay. He is only a guy that when they've got three games in four nights, you add him and you see what happens. And when they play a regular schedule, he's not worth it. And Alex Caruso, I just talked about it with Patrick Beverly. I don't really see Caruso having that level of value um, or playing those 28 minutes a night, which he needs. Now, he can be useful still, Alex, for certain teams with his ability to get defense, but everything else hurts quite a bit. The big sneeze, Precious Achua, one of the most dropped players. Yep, they look like they're going to be healthy out of the break. Trent and OG are going to be back and Pirtle's there. Precious needs 35 a night. He's not getting it. See you later. Mason Plumley, one of the most dropped players. Yeah, pretty obviously. Back up behind Zubats. As soon as he was traded, he should have been dropped. Um, we've seen two games from him with the Clippers, and he's played under 20 minutes in both of those games. And now, as I said earlier, if they want Westbrook to work, they have to actually run lineups without Zubats or Plumlee out there. So the upside for him is very, very limited. So you can go ahead and drop him. Terrence Mann. Now, Terrence Mann, just before the break, I was like, yeah, I'm maybe getting back in here. Like I like what he's doing. He's playing really well. But they are going to force minutes to Westbrook, and somebody's going to miss out. That person who's going to miss out is Bones Highland almost definitely. 
you can I haven't put him on this list but because he's not one of the most dropped players, but he's absolutely a drop and he was always a drop. But he's now clearly a drop. And I think Mann is probably more a 14-team league guy now. Kobe White, that's an issue with the Patrick Beverly um, addition. White was also added because DeRozan was out. No problem dropping him. Or Josh Green. Interesting, people are soured on him really quickly. Now, what he was doing with high usage or higher usage and great shooting was probably never going to be able to remain at that level. I think we probably still want to hold him a little bit, but I don't have any issue with him being dropped. I don't have any concern with that whatsoever. Today's episode is also brought to you by the legends at Built Bar. I just snuck down and had a Built Bar before. It was bloody good because when you're looking for a treat, sometimes you want something that tastes good. In fact, all the time you do, but sometimes you don't want to deal with the high sugar and high calories that come with candy bars. But Built Bar is a protein bar. It's high in protein. It's low in calories. It's low in sugar. It's low in fat, but it's covered in 100% real chocolate. The taste is out of this world. It's just, you can't even explain the goodness that is a Built Bar. You have it, and your world changes. Your worldview changes. I didn't know this could happen. I didn't know something could taste this good, but be also so healthy for me with 17 grams of protein and like 130 calories. And now, instead of having to order them and wait for them to come, you can just go straight to Walmart and get yourself Built Bars. The four bar boxes in double chocolate, coconut puff, and cookies and cream. Or you can go to Sam's Club. They've got the 13 bar boxes in the churro flavor or the brownie batter. So go to Walmart, go to built.com, or go to Sam's Club and get your Built Bars. Built Bar is built different. Let's go through some droppable players now. These are guys that you don't have to drop, but if they are on your roster, I reckon you should consider it. Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett in New York. Not that they can't have value at times, and you'll have a little flash game from them. Well, look, Barrett just scored 20 points, and you know, he, he didn't hurt us too much, but overall, he's still not a top 150 player this season. He provides solid enough points, but hurts you in many other categories. And the addition of Josh Hart is probably going to take two to three minutes away from RJ Barrett, which makes him those points not as valuable and him not a must-roster player. He can be rostered, but he's not a must-roster. In points leagues, I still would roster him. Emmanuel Quickly, on the other hand, again, somebody loses minutes. In fact, three people lose minutes with Hart there, and Quickly is one of them. Instead of being 30 minutes a night, he's probably 27 minutes a night or 26 minutes a night. You don't have to drop Quickly. He still can provide flashes of value, but as an overall situation, is he going to do it consistently enough to hold on to a 12-team roster spot? I doubt it. The next two are pretty obvious. Sadiq Bey, he's still rostered in tons of spots. There's just no way that you want to hold him in 10 or 12-team leagues. In fact, Jack. Get that garbage out of here! And Precious Achua, we talked about already. He's still rostered and does not need to be. The other ones are more specific here for points leagues. Keegan Murray, he's not even a top 150 points league player this season. And while a lot of people say he's a rookie, he's getting better. The way that a lot of rookies get better second half of the season is they just get given the ball more. They get more minutes given to them. And Keegan Murray is on a team that's a top four seed in the West, and they have no problem with benching him. So I don't really think that progression for him to get significantly better in a points league is there. I wouldn't bother with him. Bogdan Bogdanovic. The arrival of Sadiq Bey makes Bogdanovic a drop. I'd probably hold Bogdan in a category league. Barely, barely. But in a point seed, no. There's just not enough volume or minutes for him. Matisse Thibel. Now, Thibel's the guy that we profiled on this show last week with the, the, the way that he is playing. Now, the injury to Simons helps him quite a bit as well. But in a points league, there's just, there's just not enough there. Like, his two steals and 0.7 blocks doesn't cut it in a points league. It's nowhere near good enough. I wouldn't bother with him in a standard points league format. In a category league, if you need those numbers, Absolutely. Because his minutes are going to push up and he's going to get those stats. Points league, no. And DeAnthony Melton. 
he's a borderline hold in category leagues. Like he's not really even a must roster category league guy. And he's like 40, 50 spots worse in a points league. You do not need to have him in a points league. He's so low usage that gets by on your steals, um, out of, steals some out of position blocks and some assists, which doesn't actually matter in points leagues. You do not have to roster him in a points league. I changed my cutoff for must roster players just as we're getting close to the season, more uh, close to the end of the season, towards the playoffs. We're seeing things happen with your teams becoming less active on the wire. These guys are all available in over 30% of leagues. I used to do 20 as my cutoff. These are all over 30. Um, a lot of them are obvious to you, but I'm just going to keep harping on until they're added. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah, Mark Williams is a must-roster player. Zach Collins is a must-roster player. The Bronco, Jalen Williams, is a must-roster player. Broncos country, let's ride. And Kelly Olenek is a must-roster player. These next four, especially the next two, are probably more must-roster for points leagues. They're not quite as top 100-ish as those other guys, the exception of... Uh, I'll talk about this. Well, let's just say it. KJ Martin is a must-roster player. Better value in points than categories, and you've got to be willing to deal with the poor free throws in a category league, but he is a must-roster player. And Jeremy Sohan has some percentage issues as well, although his free throws have been significantly improved over the last two months or so. His minutes and the availability might be frustrating, but I think he's a must-roster. And the other two are Jalen Duran and Daniel Gafford, whose recent production has seen them drop. The worry about the addition of James Wiseman in Detroit, the worry in... Um, uh, Washington with what they do in terms of small lineups and playing more D-line ride or Corey Kispert and the fact that he was benched second half of last game is a little bit worrying for Gafford. I still think that both of those guys are must-roster players. In a points league, they are a little bit more borderline. They're not as top 100 safe as what they are in a category, but I still think they're top 120 safe in a points league. But I still think you need to roster those guys even though what we saw last time was not particularly encouraging. I'd like to see that happen as a regular thing where Duran plays 24 and Gafford plays 22 minutes for two or three games in a row before I say, no, get rid of them. I think there were significant circumstances around that last game that doesn't necessarily carry over to everyone, to every game. Let's look at some deeper league guys. These guys are all available in at least 90% of leagues. Big Dick Nick Richards is a 14-team league guy. Aaron Neesmith and Ricky Rubio, I think, are 14-team league guys. Rubio, the ins and outs are a little bit of an issue with back-to-backs. He's also out next game with an illness, I think. But they're both, all three of those guys, sorry, have 14-team league value. Richards, Neesmith, and Rubio. And then a bunch of 16-team league guys who are available. Isaac Okoro, he's going to lose a little bit here, I think. His value has fallen off somewhat, but I think he's still a 16-teamer. Uh, Robinson Earl is back for the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's still going to be that mess with him and Sharich and Pig Williams and Kenrich Williams, but I think 22 to 23, if he gets that, that's 16-teamer. I've got Sharich in that mix as well. If he plays 25, he is probably a 14-team, maybe 12-team league guy, so we'll keep an eye on that. For now, I'll just add Sharich in 16s. Andrew Nempart is starting for the Pacers, but they are reducing his minutes. The problem is that there's him, and now there's Jordan Wara in that mix, and there's Chris Duarte. There's going to be some inconsistency, so I'm not worrying about Nempart in shallow leagues. In 10 or 12 or probably 14, but in 16, I am. And then there's MC Hamadou Diallo. If I can find his sound, I should have prepared that earlier. I think there's a strong 18 to 20 minute a night roll there for him. Good field goal percentage, great steals guy. That has value in deeper leagues, but he's unlikely to me to push into higher, higher value. And now let's just look at some other names. Now I put Patrick Beverly on this list, but I shouldn't have because I already talked about him. So ignore that. Let's talk Taylor Horton Tucker. I don't know whether Colin Sexton's going to be available to play first game after the break. He did participate in the skills challenge, but, you know, does that mean that he's ready to go? I'm not convinced. Playing in the skills challenge versus playing full pace in an NBA game is a very different story. So I think Taylor Horton Tucker is a guy to grab. 
I would add him and let's just see what happens. Because he played 27 minutes and 19 games that Sexton was healthy as well. So I think he's I think he is worth an add. Pig Williams, people were adding him. He's had that big, what, 16 or 18 rebound game the other day. I just think there are too many names there for him to be consistent enough to be anything more than a deeper league player. Gabe Vincent, the Kyle Lowry might return sometime in the start of March, but there is no guarantee that Kyle Lowry returns and plays 30 plus minutes a night. They might play him as a 24-minute a night bench player. I would have Vincent on my team, and I, I added him like two weeks ago. And then I just will see what happens. So I think he's worth grabbing just to see where this goes. Malik Monk, before he missed that last game before the break, he was playing really well. He was cutting into the minutes of Kevin Herter quite a bit, and even to Keegan Murray, and he was closing games a lot. Now, he can be really hot or cold. He's free to go and healthy and ready to play after missing that last game before the break, so no worries there. I think he's okay to add, but I wouldn't be going out of my way to do it. Cam Reddish, another name we have spoken about, sort of circularly. That's that's not a real word, is it? I've talked about him on the periphery. That's what we've said. Um, He had a really good game last time out, and the absence of Simons possibly does help him. I wouldn't think that he is. I'd much rather add Sharp than Reddish. Now, Reddish can be a points uh, a points threes and steals guy, more threes and steals. He does struggle with consistency and efficiency at times, and rebounds and assists aren't really going to be there. But he's at least a name to consider, and I don't hate that as a 12-team ad with the injuries there. This one I got a lot. RJ Hampton. Should we add RJ Hampton? Now, RJ Hampton didn't play in Orlando, really got waived, and assigned in Detroit. Um, worthy flyer, by all means. Corey Joseph's playing 18 minutes a night. He doesn't need to. We're all well aware of that. Is Hampton good? I don't I don't know. I think Hampton's actually been better this season than he has at any other point and shown some decent flashes. But I'd need to see 30 minutes a night for RJ Hampton before I consider him a 12-team league player. And I don't really see that there's any way that's going to happen. Hayes and Ivy are still there. They're still going to get minutes. I, 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 Burks, I think, is still going to get some minutes. We want to watch Hampton. We want to see what they do with him. But I think he's probably going to be a 20-minute-a-night player, which is for deeper leagues, sure. For 12-team leagues, no. You're grasping at straws, I think. And I also had people ask me about Chris Dunn. Remember this bloke? Chris Dunn, one of the legendary steals players in the NBA, but really struggles with a lot of other things. Now, he's shooting, I think, 40% from three in the G League this season. But I don't really care that much about that. He signed a 10-day with the Jazz. And... You know, that's, is that an indication that Sexton is still hurt? I don't know. They needed to sign people. They only had 13 people on their roster, so they needed to sign some players. But he's on a 10-day. Could Chris Dunn, if he plays 28 minutes a night, be a 12-team league guy? 100% yes. Could he earn a rest-of-season contract here? Yes, also. Are the likelihood of those two things happening high? No, not high at all. So Chris Dunn, we keep an eye on it. We see how they use him. Do they even play him? Does Sexton even miss any time? There are too many variables there for me to burn waiver ads on a bloke who's a 10-day player who couldn't get a sniff at an NBA contract all season and is shown to be really below-caliber NBA player for many years. Now, could he resurrect his career and turn into Dennis Smith? Sure, he's an excellent defender. That's possible. But there's just not a large enough role there for me to go and grab him in other spots. I'm just going to cover some other names that were added. Terry Taylor signed a two-way with the Bulls. They need power forwards because their power forwards are Patrick Williams. Taylor, if there is a situation for him to play 28 minutes a night, we would grab him. That would require a Pat Williams injury. So just he's just a name. That's just one to watch. There is a path edge of Green's knee. 
I think Javante Green might go the way Alonzo Ball, to be honest, with his knee. I don't think he's going to play this season, but I don't know. There's just no real update on him. And he's their other power forward, who's really only a small forward, much like Terry Taylor is. But there is a path there for Terry. We want to watch that. Frank Jackson also signed in Utah, a guy that gets hot and will score 20 points and people go crazy about him. One of the worst passes you've ever seen um, can be really fluctuating with his shot. And there's a reason that he hasn't been signed all season either. So is he better than Chris Dunn? Maybe. Just another 10-day guard in Utah that's probably not going to have an impact. Cody Zeller in Miami. That kills Orlando Robinson. It kills I mean, Yurt 7, I think. Cody Zeller is not a great player, but he's a serviceable backup center. What it could do, though, it could also limit the minutes Kevin Love plays at backup center, which hurts Love's overall upside. So Zeller going there is something that we need to pay attention to just in the impact he might have, and in deeper leagues, yes. Myers Leonard has signed a 10-day with the um, Milwaukee Bucks, I guess because Portis is out. I, I don't. He's not having any impact. And then some other names that aren't recent signings that are worth talking about. Brandon Clark last game out was awesome. Do I trust that he gets those minutes every game over Tillman? I don't, but I've got no problem adding him because if he plays 30 a night, he will be great. Now, I've given up trying to figure out what their rotation is going to be or the logic behind who starts when. There's no logic to it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But if Clark's playing 30, we're adding him. Tari, next season. It's just not going to happen, I don't think. Now, I, I say this, and then Silas says something like, yeah, now after the break, we might try some different lineup combinations and we'll see where we go. Like, bro, your team's been shit house for 60-plus games. Like, you could have tried something different, new, at any point, maybe. If we see Eason playing 26 minutes a night, we add him clearly. But at the moment, he just doesn't play. He plays 19, 20 minutes a night. It's been the same way the entirety of the season. Nothing has changed whatsoever. He needs Jabari out or Shingun out. Will they change it? I don't know. But them trying different lineups would mean benching KJ Martin or not playing Jay Sean Tate. And I don't think Steve Silas is going to do that. Does it mean benching Jabari Smith? That would seem stupid. It's not like their team is plagued with all these veterans who are stealing minutes, although I would claim that Tate is probably one of those guys, but they don't see it that way. So I don't think there's this path for Eason. Joshy Richardson. Ejected last game, played only 18 minutes. The first game before that was really strong, but remember, that was a game where Herb Jones played 23 minutes and McCullum didn't play. And I just don't think we're going to get 30 minutes a night every night of Josh Richardson. I don't think that makes him a 12-team guy. Is he intriguing? Is he someone interesting? Is he someone we can watch this? Is he someone we can stream in? All of those things are true. But as a must-roster guy, I don't see it. And the last one is Jared Vanderbilt Bar, who did play some... Um, who did start the last game we saw the Lakers, and that was very interesting. Because we thought he should have done that. And he played a lot of minutes. But the stats weren't there. I don't think that Vanderbilt on this team is a must-roster player. Out of all of the guys on this list, he's the guy that I would want on a 12-team roster. Because I know that there is at least a solid role there. But he's very specific in what he brings. We know that it's some steals, and it's field goal percentage and some rebounds. And it's not necessarily going to be great in those areas, given his role and, and where he fits on this team. But... I've got no problem with him being on a roster. Totally okay to grab him if he makes sense in your team. And that's so much of what we're doing at this point in the season. doesn't make sense with your team. So look at it, but don't think that you absolutely have to have Jared Vanderbilt. And that, guys, will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave the comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.